0: How should the Carolina Panthers go about building around Bryce Young this offseason? We'll talk about it right here on this weekly Friday Mailbag
1: edition of Locked on Panthers. You are Locked on Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: on Fridays throughout the off season. Like today, I'll be answering your weekly Friday mailbag questions right here on the show, either at me or DM me to participate in next week's edition of the weekly Friday mailbag right here unlocked on Panthers. Today's episode is brought to you by Nissan. Are you the kind of driver that likes to push things a little further? Our friends at Nissan have a lineup of SUVs with the capabilities to take your adventure to the next level. Take the Nissan Rogue, Nissan Pathfinder or Nissan Armada and go find your next big adventure. Shop NissanUSA.com. We're back again for another edition of the weekly Friday mailbag on Locked on Panthers. And I know the last couple of weeks, I haven't necessarily always done the mailbag because some big news came out like last week, Ajero Vero being retained as Panthers defensive coordinator. The Carolina Panthers have actually uh, named their entire staff on Thursday afternoon. We'll talk probably more about that on Monday and look at potential free agents from Seattle as it's a very Seattle heavy staff that could potentially come here to Carolina. We'll say that for Monday on the show here on Locked on Panthers, but let me get into your weekly Friday mailbag questions here today, starting off with Quay who asked, Would you rather us build an offense around Bryce from the free agency or draft? Secondly, being that our defensive coordinator turned lemons into lemonade, do we sacrifice defense for the sake of Bryce and our offense? Now, answering your first question, the best teams in the NFL build through the draft and also through smart trades, and they want to fill holes. Through free agency. You don't want to be free agent heavy, having to sign all of the players that you expect to be major contributors through free agency. You want to be drafting guys one through seven to come in at a lower rate and to start and play for you for four years. That's what you're looking to do via the draft. So, yes, I would rather the Carolina Panthers come out here and build through the draft this upcoming offseason. The problem is the Panthers only have six draft picks, and they don't have a pick in the first round, and I'm not necessarily concerned about not being able to use the number one overall pick to take a player. I'm more concerned about not being able to use that to trade back, considering you already have a quarterback, much like Chicago last year they had Justin Fields. They were going to stay with Justin Fields. They traded that pick knowing some team, that was the Carolina Panthers, would be desperate enough to get up to number one to get their guy. The Panthers could have been in that situation this year. I'm sure there would have been debate from Carolina Panther fans saying that they should have taken Caleb Love or Jaden Daniels or Drake May instead of keeping Bryce Young, but David Tepper is committed to Bryce Young. Dave Canales, who's taking this job, is committed to Bryce Young. Dan Morgan is committed to Bryce Young. They could have used that number one overall pick to get more picks to be able to build this roster. Like, Washington's a team that has a ton of picks in the top 100. That's going to help them be able to control the draft. Chicago is the same kind of way. The Panthers only have six picks throughout the draft, and the first one does not come until... Pick 33, the first pick in the second round. It's not as easy as it's said and is done for the Carolina Panthers heading into the NFL draft in April. Now, looking at last year, the way they tried to build around Bryce, they primarily did it through free agency. After they traded DJ Moore away to Chicago to get up to number one and take Bryce Young, uh, the Panthers looked at the wide receivers in the free agent market, Adam Thielen. Turned out to be spectacular for the Panthers. Over 100 receptions, 1,000 yards on the season. DJ Chark was terrible. Hayden Hurst was not good either. Didn't have a concussion that cost him pretty much the second half of the season. Miles Sanders, worst year of his career. The free agent signings that they signed last year. They went one for four, and that just goes to show you it's not as simple as, okay, Sanders had a great year running the ball for Philadelphia. He has a relationship with Deuce Staley. Bring him to Carolina. We saw how that worked out. It's not as simple as, okay, Hayden Hurst played well last year in Cincinnati. Bring him here in a tight end friendly scheme, and he'll play the same way. That did not work out. DJ Chark, somebody that Frank Rex wanted to have for years, he came to Carolina, and we saw how that worked. Adam Thielen, the only one that worked out for them as far as the free agent signings for guys that they put around Bryce Young. The draft, they took Jonathan Mingo in the second round. He was one of the worst receivers in the NFL this past year. Chandler Zavala they took in the fourth round. Had to start some games due to injuries at the guard spots in Carolina. He was god-awful. The Panthers just missed on everybody on offense that they put around Bryce Young that they were hoping would help him in his rookie year. This year, the Panthers still need to be focused on the draft, but we know they can't just run out Adam Thielen, Jonathan Mingo, and that be it as far as the receivers. They have to be aggressive in trying to find someone who can fill in as not even just a number one. Can they find like a true number three receiver? I guess that's really what that Thielen is. Can they find a true number two instead of what they had this past season? I would like to see them uh, build through the draft. I don't think it's as simple as them being able to do that. Considering where the picks are and how few picks they have this offseason. But that's where it needs to start off first. At pick 33, you need to find a difference maker. It doesn't necessarily have to be someone who's going to be with Bryce, but a difference maker, someone who can be a foundational piece for the Panthers for the next five plus years. That's what you need to find there at pick 33. We'll see if they're able to do that. Now, going over to, as far as your question about should they sacrifice the defense for the offense? Ah uh, man, I just don't. I don't love that. It was by doing that, what you what you're asking is, are you trading away like Brian Burns? If you tag him, are you going to trade him away? You already have one of the worst pass rushes in the NFL. You have no other players on the roster currently that provide any semblance of a pass rush. Are you just going to completely abandon that? And again, you don't have the picks, and it's not like you're going to be able to easily get a free agent pass rusher to come in here, as we just saw this past year with Justin Houston did not work out. And are you going to be interested in potentially getting rid of Derek Brown? This is a line of scrimmage game. We saw how poorly the Carolina fans played a line of scrimmage last year. Do you want to take away arguably your best player just to get Bryce Young a number one wide receiver? Is that going to help you win games? You got to score points to win games. So I understand the argument there and it's far more entertaining to watch a high powered offense and a terrible defense than a terrible offense and a very a good to not a, a good defense. Let's not say very good. They were pretty bad in a lot of categories last year. I would like to find a balance there. I, I don't want to completely tear down the defense just for Bryce Young to have success. And I don't want to completely just neglect Bryce Young either. It's, that's why it's going to be more than just one off season to rebuild this team and get the Carolina Panthers to a point where they can actually be competitive moving forward. Uh, moving over now to Luke who asks, is it possible he ends up as a one and done player in regards to Chandler Zavala? I draw similarities to Brandon Smith in 2022 drafted by a different coaching staff and didn't perform to standard and a new staff moved on. Zavala was an obvious camping pick and I'm pretty sure according to PFF he was the worst rated guard league wide last year. If the Panthers add adequate depth through the draft and free agency, the possibility of Zavala not making the roster seems to grow. I think for him and uh, Cade Mays, they're both starting over. Everyone is really starting over. In terms of evaluation process from the coaching staff standpoint, Now, Dan Morgan was already here, and Dan Morgan was a part of the process to draft Chandler Zavala, to draft Cade Mays, and to bring in some of these other players that are signed as free agents or were in the draft classes before those two guys came here to Carolina So understand that. I don't know if it's complete... Mm, let's say, like, blank slate for them. But with Zavala, like, he did not play well, and it's so funny to think back now that the conversation was around him coming in and competing with Brady Christensen at left guard. That would have not have been a conversation at all or a competition at all had Zavala not started off camp on the pup list as he was just terrible this year, and we barely got to see Brady. Um, I could, I could see it, possibly. You have to look and see... What free agents to have ties to this coaching staff, especially on the offensive side of the ball, are available. All five of the projected starters heading into the 23 season are still under contract. That's something I went over as we were breaking down how to fix the Panthers offensive line this offseason. It will be an interesting development to see who's brought in. but I I wouldn't rule it out. Fourth round pick from a year ago. And that's not necessarily what you want to do. Brandon Smith was also a fourth-round pick from the year prior, and the Carolina Panthers moved on from him as he showed that he just was not going to be someone who's going to fit. And a big part of that, too, was special teams wasn't going to be a plus special teams player, so why keep around a guy who's not going to help you defensively and it's not going to help you on special teams? Uh, Another question coming from Ken about the offensive line. Considering we've seen the majority of the current starting O-line play in two different offensive schemes to shockingly different degrees of success, do you believe that if they were all healthy and in a beneficial scheme that they have potential to be a strength for the team as they are currently? As they are currently, do you believe that the members of this line are talented enough to start on teams that are playoff contenders? Taylor Milton, for sure. Um, Austin Corbett's already shown when healthy that that's the case because he's played on a Super Bowl team. Bradley Bozeman has been on playoff teams before, but I don't think he's been better. I, he certainly hasn't been better than Tyler Linderbaum, who's replaced him there in Baltimore over the last couple of seasons. Brady Christensen, I think he'd be a good rotational piece. I don't think he's on a playoff contending team. Like, and here's a funny thing, too. Uh, the year, if it's funny at all, uh, the year prior. All of these guys were on a playoff contending team as the Panthers were right there in the thick of the NFC South division race. Now, because they're in the NFC South, that's a big reason why they were even on a playoff contending team. But if we're looking at a true 10, 11, 12 football team or any of these guys starting on that offensive line, I think Taylor Moten would be one. Austin Corbett, when healthy, would be one. And the rest is up to your discretion and everyone else's discretion. I, I, don't, I don't know. It's hard to say. Whether Icky would after this past year, the year prior, I could see it happening, but this past year, no. Brady Christensen was the lowest rated of these guys, according to PFF, during that 2022 season. We only saw him play for one game this past year. Uh, hard for me to say that. Bradley Bozeman, um, after this year, hard for me to say. But here's the thing, too, with Bozeman. I and I pointed this out. Back in 21, John Miller, Dennis Daly, Pat Elfline, Cam Irving, Matt Parad- like those guys... Even if healthy, we're not going to be one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. But the problem was they weren't healthy at all that season. 13 different starting offensive line combinations in 17 games during the 2021 season. You're just not going to have success with that much turnover on the O-line. Continuity is so important. Development is a huge thing when it comes to the offensive line. And they just not, they did not have continuity this past year. Seven different left guards, eight different right guards. The development of Ikiakuanu. Where was it? We just saw regression this past year. Where was the development of a guy like Cade Mays? Did Chandler Zabala get any better from the time he stepped into Carolina to the time he stepped on the field? Didn't look like there was any coaching done by James Campin when it came to Chandler's ball. There was the talk that they had after the Jets game, how their blocking was not acceptable, and it continued throughout the entire season, even before they had the rash of injuries. I've seen this team... When they were more of a downhill blocking run scheme with this offensive line, I've seen them have success. This past year, when it was more of a zone blocking scheme and Bradley Bozeman talked about how it didn't fit them, they did not have success. When they were healthy and when they were running a scheme that was to the offensive line's strengths, this offensive line played well. When they weren't healthy and in a scheme that was not playing to their strengths, they are one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. All five of them are under contract. And I don't know if this is going to be a complete teardown. I don't think it's easy to do that anyways, especially when you're talking about it's an O-line. Everybody in the NFL is looking for offensive linemen. I wouldn't hate seeing him run it back, but I do understand why people would be hesitant and would wonder why would you do that considering all the results from a year ago. Well, I just pointed out, when healthy in the right scheme, they had success. When not healthy in the wrong scheme, they didn't have success. Put them in the right scheme, Hope that these guys are healthy, get some better depth, and why not go out there and give them another opportunity? Well, why not? Because they were terrible last year. All right, we'll take a quick pause here, and I'll come back and answer more of your questions on this weekly Friday Mailbag edition of Locked on Panthers what a football game that was but as usual the commercial stole the show in my book doordash is the all-in-one app for your everyday needs from restaurants and groceries to flowers and gifts so next time you're running low on dinner ideas pet supplies or just time you can get so much more than you realize delivered whatever watch party or anything party you got coming up get it delivered with doordash football season may be over but we're in the thick of basketball games a school year and let's face it winter i can think of a million reasons daily to order doordash hop on the app and Make your day a little easier. Get dinner for tonight, groceries for the week, or a consolation prize for your sad friends in San Francisco, all on DoorDash, DoorDash, your door to more. Head to the DoorDash app to get everything you need delivered.
1: If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast.
0: Let's get back into it. The weekly Friday mailbag here on Locked on Panthers. This question comes from Andy, who says, my question has to do with your breakdown of the cornerbacks this week. And y'all have been doing position evaluations ahead of free agency, done a lot of defensive uh, players so far. so defensive line, done linebackers, cornerbacks. Go check that out as we'll be doing offense this upcoming week. He says, I'm wondering if one reason why Dante Jackson's grades aren't that great is because when JC is out, he's forced to be the number one corner in his match against opposition's best receiver. But he's really a solid number two corner and not a true shutdown corner. I wonder if his stats are significantly better during the games that J.C. played. And if they are, then I would think that argues we should restructure his contract and keep him around. I went back and looked at all the games that J.C. Horn played. Um. well, Dante Jackson played when J.C. Horn was out there. So all the games that J.C. played and with Dante out there also on the field and just to try and compare the grades with J.C. and without J.C. Now, the top five PFF grades that he had as far as overall grades in the games played, his top five, he had Chicago. That was This is Dante Jackson, 93.4. There was no J.C. Horn. A 79 to 79.2 at Tampa with J.C. Horn playing, and now J.C. only really played the first half. He was on a, a snap count that day, did not play the second half, but a 79.2, a 77.3 versus Houston without J.C. Horn, a 75.4 at Jacksonville. J.C. Horn was active but ended up not playing because he was not able to go, and then a 65.2 at New Orleans that was with J.C. So three of Dante's top five graded games this past year, according to PFF were without J.C. Horn. Now, if you look at his bottom five grades, 41.6 versus Dallas, no J.C., 42.6 at Tennessee, no J.C., 44.6 versus Atlanta with J.C., 49.0 versus New Orleans, no J.C., 54.2 at Seattle, no J.C. Horn. So, four of his five worst grades were without J.C. Horn. It's kind of a mixed bag there. I feel like at this point in time, we know who Dante Jackson is. He is a fine, capable player as a number two option. He's not ever going to be a shutdown kind of corner. He's not going to be one of the top corners in the league, but he does have experience. And I felt like this year, coming off an Achilles injury, he played fairly well considering what the expectations should be for any player coming off an Achilles injury, especially a player who's always been average to sometimes above average at the position, which I believe is what Dante Jackson has been. His cap number is just so high, man, that I don't see how you can play him on that. Now, if you can restructure, then I suppose. But would you be better off bringing back guys like Troy Hill and Shaquille Griffin who graded higher than him and pay them less and then go out there, maybe draft a corner in the second round of 33? Would, would you be better doing that? It's possible. I would like to see Dante play out the rest of his deal. Uh I just I wonder, especially when if the Panthers are not able to get a deal done with Brian Burns, and that is coming up here on the twentieth, is when they can start franchise tag franchise tagging players, if that's gonna force them to maybe make Dante a cap casualty to try and figure out what to do there. We'll see. I, I think Dante is kinda we know who he is at this point in time. Solid player, not necessarily a guy that you're trying to depend on, and he was able to be healthy this past year, which is a good thing. Uh, Over to Kendrick, who asks, are we really sure that a Jero Vero is a defensive genius that we've all proclaimed him to be? True by yardage, he led a top-five defense, but considering that his scheme didn't produce turnovers or sacks, could it be possible his defensive numbers are more attributed to our Other teams only needing 10 points in most games to beat us. I don't think teams were dialing it back uh, because, oh, hey, we scored 10 points. The Panthers are only uh, allotted one touchdown per game. We're good. I I don't think teams were then just sitting on the ball and not concerned about trying to score points after that. I do feel like post-bye week after they got drilled in Detroit and in Miami that this defense played fairly well, especially when it came to yardage. They weren't giving a ton of yardage but they still were giving up points. And I was looking at some of the numbers as just basic stats tell you this was a top five defense. But looking at some of the more advanced stats, it tells you that this was one of the worst defenses in the NFL this past season. According to EPA, which is expected points added, the Carolina Panthers had a 23rd-ranked defense in the league. They were 12th against the pass, according to EPA, and they were 31st against the run. Uh, The Panthers were last in sacks, also last in pressure percentage, according to Pro Football Reference. They were last in takeaways this past year. Looking at DVOA, they were 25th, In total defense, they were 28th in red zone defense, and that then leads them to be 29th in points allowed. According to a lot of the advanced metrics, this was not a good defense, but why was that the case? Okay, well, J.C. Horn only played in how many games? He played in 11 games. Or sorry, he played in six games, We he missed really five and a half. So J.C. Horn only played in five and a half games this past season. Shaq Thompson was out for 15 games this year, and that's probably 15 and three-fourths because he only played the first quarter of that game against the Saints on Monday night football, Von Bell missed four games. You also saw Xavier Woods miss four games. So both your starting safeties were missing time. You had to play guys like Alex Cook and Sam Franklin. You had to see more time from Shaquille Griffin out there, Deshaun Jameson getting opportunities, DiCaprio Boodle. When those are the dudes you got to throw out there, you're probably not going to have the best defensive advanced metrics in the NFL. That's just not going to happen. I do you think of Jerry Overo, and there's a lot of the advanced metrics actually the year prior when he was in Denver that believed that he had a top-ten defense. I just look at the injuries, and I can excuse a lot of the numbers. Now, they need to be better getting after the passer. They certainly need to be better against the run and in the red zone. Like the, This has been a trend for about four or five years now here in Carolina that the red zone defense has just not been good. The Panthers need to figure out, how to be able to stop the run, because that's been a problem too, but also how to get off the field in the red zone. Like That has just been a recurring theme defensively for the Carolina Panthers, whether it's been Jerover calling the defense or Phil Snow calling the defense or even at the end of Ron Rivera's tenure here where he was calling the defense, Panthers have just not been good defensively in the red zone. But Gerald has gotten eight interviews, and he was somebody that the Packers would have wanted if he would have been available. The same case with the Rams, had he been available. He's a bright defensive mind. Absolutely. I just look at the card that was dealt him last year, the hand that was dealt last year to him and the injuries, and watching the games, I thought they looked pretty good. Now, the numbers, they kind of tell a different story, and one would say the numbers never lie. They lie a little bit because they don't always add the context of who was out there and who wasn't out there for the Carolina Panthers. I'm not overly concerned about him at all, and I think the continuity and getting a second year in the system, and who knows, a better bill of health. We'll have this defense actually looking like a top 10 and who knows, maybe even top five defense in 2024. All right, let's take one more pause here on the show to come back and answer the rest of your weekly Friday mailbag questions right here on Locked On Panthers. Are you the kind of driver that likes to push things a little further? Ever wonder what adventure could be around the next corner? Our friends at Nissan have a lineup of SUVs with the capabilities to take your adventure to the next level. The 2024 Nissan Rogue is the perfect for city drives and great escapes. Class exclusive Google built-in is your always updating assistant to call on for almost anything. Gone are the days of connecting your phone, Google Assistant, Google Maps, and Google Play Store are built right into the 12.3-inch HD touchscreen infotainment system the 2024 rogue is the perfect mid-size crossover for your next adventure nissan's incredible lineup also includes the 2024 nissan pathfinder has room up to eight and expansive cargo capacity and advance available 4x4 capability with 284 horsepower and up to 6,000 pounds towing when adventure calls the pathfinder is there to answer take the nissan rogue nissan pathfinder or nissan armada and go find your next big adventure shop nissanusa.com
1: If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: A few more mailbag questions before we get out of here on this weekly Friday mailbag edition of Locked On Panthers. Over to Mark, who has a lot of questions in this one question. Do you think the scouting department, all still here, has done a good job evaluating talent? And do you think the poor decisions to trade away draft picks for underperforming players and moving up in the draft, always an overpay, to pick for need instead of talent was because of the recommendations of the head of the analytics department, who's no longer here? Or do you think Fitterer left the ultimate decisions up to others? Or did he just go rogue and do whatever the hell he wanted to despite the input from talent evaluation team? Okay, a lot of questions there. Um, The last one, Scott Fitter definitely did not go rogue. He's always been known as a consensus builder. That's from the coaching staff. That's with his own scouting department and with the owner. Scott Fitter did not have the autonomy to go out there and be like, this is what we're doing. David Tepper, as we're all aware, has a uh, major influence in what's going on here in Carolina. And there's no way he's allowing Scott Fitter to go rogue and make some of those picks, especially when David Tepper is sitting like, right there next to him in the war room. And uh, anything that happens, Scott Fitter has to report to David Tepper and has to get his approval before these moves are made. And I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing to tell the owner if you're going to make a major decision, like moving up to number one overall in the draft, that you would have to go to him and be like, hey, this is what we're going to do. Um, but does the owner necessarily need to be the one who says no or yes to it? I don't know, but they should be aware of those kind of decisions. I don't think Scott Fitterer was going out there and just doing whatever the hell he wanted. That, that does not add up to me. Now, do I think the scouting department has done a good job evaluating talent? No. They went 2-15 and 15 last year. This is the worst roster in the NFL. How have they done a good job evaluating talent? And if you look at the roster, who are the best players? Derek Derek Brown. Was Derek Brown drafted by any of these guys? No, Dan Morgan didn't draft him. David Zepper, I mean, I guess he was here, but no. Scott Fitter didn't draft him either. Matt Rule did, <laughs> but no. I Derek Brown was here before the people who are now in charge. Brian Burns was before Rule and all the people that are now here in charge. Taylor Poten was here before all of them. Uh, you want to say J.J. Jansen was one of the best players? Like they, I don't think they've done a good job. Really evaluating talent now, free agency wise, like Von Bell Xavier Woods, those are solid players, absolutely. Defensively, that's worked out for the most part. Like Shaq was already here, Jared was getting uh, Frankie Luva was great. Offensively, they've Austin Corbett was a good signing. There's just been way too many misses when you look at the draft. Have they done a good job evaluating talent in the draft? No, have they done a good job evaluating talent via free agency? That's more of a mixed bag. There's going to be hits, there's going to be misses, and that's just the case with a lot of teams. But you need to be better at evaluating talent in the draft if you truly want to be able to build your team and win long-term. And that's not what the Carolina Panthers have been able to do. Um, And then you asked, do you think the poor decisions, the trade-away draft picks were underperforming players and moving up in the draft to pick instead of talent was a recommendation of the head of analytics department. I don't know. I, I can't say whether it was on one person or not, and that's what was difficult about the evaluation of Scott Fitter. Like the draft has not been great. The trades, they weren't necessarily great either, but the question was, was he the one who was leading those decisions, or was he just going with the consensus and then the one that had to fall on the sword at the end of the day? That's what made it difficult. Um, okay, so... We'll see. They just got Dan Morgan needs to do a better job. Brent Tillis needs to do a good job here, and then whatever role Dave Canales is going to play, obviously he needs to do a good job for the Panthers. And David Tepper just needs to stay as far away from this team as possible. Charlotte FC is starting on Saturday. Go focus on the soccer team. Don't. Don't be in the room, buddy. Please go away. Um, last question coming from Alex. There's a couple wide receivers in the draft with familiar last names Panther fans Moose Muhammad, the third, and Luke McCaffrey. Do you think either are legitimate options for the Panthers or more just a name? I didn't even know until you sent me this question that Moose Muhammad had entered the draft. That was kind of an eyebrow raiser to me. Uh, I looked back at his stats at AM, and AM's quarterback situations have been. Oh, they've been interesting. Like Max Johnson, who's not going to be starting Chapel Hill. He's had to play a couple times. Connor Wegman, who's pretty talented. He hasn't been able to stay healthy, at least so far. And that's it's just been guys just not staying healthy. I want to say Kellen Mond might have been there one year. But as a freshman, you don't really play that much at receiver, especially in the SEC and really in college football a lot of places. Uh, but he only caught 72 passes for 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns in three seasons. Like that's what dudes – put up in a season. That's what he put up in a career. I'm surprised by that. That has UDFA written all over it. Having the same name as a former really good player in the NFL, I that will help him get an opportunity. I just have not seen the talent from watching those games at AM, understanding that they have had issues with the offensive line injuries. One season the injuries or the quarterback situation like Haynes King is at Georgia Tech. He also he was not healthy. I uh, I don't know, man. Luke McCaffrey Wild Road that he went down. He's where did he start at? Nebraska? Was he at Nebraska first? And then he was at Louisville for like a month. It wasn't gonna be the quarterback there. Cause he started off as a quarterback. Was like, I think he was at Nebraska. Then he was at Louisville for again like a month. And then he went somewhere else. And this is crazy because now in college you can just leave every year basically. And he played at Rice this past year with JT Daniels, another guy who played for five, 20 different schools in a four-year period somehow, um, and is like 27 damn years old. Get a job, dude. (laughs) Join the workforce. Help the economy. Stop playing football. You're not good at this. Luke McCaffrey went to Rice. Actually had a pretty good game, the senior bowl. They loved him. And it's one of those things where he's Ed McCaffrey's kid. He's Christian's brother. He's going to have the work ethic of a former NFL player's son and a current one of the best NFL players, brothers, he's going to have the work ethic. That's all well and good. Is he truly a wide receiver that you're going to want to use a draft pick on? Maybe late in the draft. You know what you're going to get out of him work-wise, but he's so young to the position at like this kind of level. I I don't look at either one of those guys as really options for me right now. Uh, but we'll uh, talk about that more in April. Who the Panthers could target once we figure out who's actually going to be on the team via free agency. But that's going to wrap up this edition of the Lockdown Panthers podcast. Part of Lockdown Podcast Network, hosted by yours truly, Julian Council. Again, y'all subscribe, follow the show for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, and be sure to follow me. Julian Council on Twitter at Julian Council where I'll be back again next Friday to answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions either at me or DM me but follow me first at Julian Council to get those questions into me now but in the meantime be safe, be happy, be whole as always and forever keep pounding